Welcome back to the Strength and Speed Podcast. I'm your host, Evan Preparis. This episode is brought to you by Merrill. Uh, Merrill is the official shoe of Tough Mudder, so if you haven't seen what they have for their lineup, I would check them out. Uh, I recently picked up a couple of their pairs and tested them out this past weekend at Tougher Mudder, Wisconsin. Their main shoe is the All Out, All Out Crush, which has a little more padding than I'm used to, so I actually ran in a couple of their more minimalist shoes, uh, specifically the Bare Access Flex, and the uh, Trail Glove. Kind of minimalist, zero drop, no insole, so they don't add a lot of weight when they get wet. Uh, so, so far, I like them for Tough Mudders. Pretty good. Uh, they don't have the super aggressive traction like you would have with something like an Ice Bug, but I think that actually works in your benefit for something like a Tough Mudder, which requires running up a warped wall or Everest, right? So the, the extra flat sole the, or the uh, less aggressive lugs on the bottom make it a little easier to run up the wall especially unassisted. All right, speaking of Tough Mudder, uh, we have a special guest today, Chris Maltby. I probably should have asked how to pronounce your name ahead of time instead of going live on the podcast, but that's all right. Uh, Chris is 30 years old. Uh, hometown is Bayville, New Jersey, currently based out of New York. Uh, he's a background in neurobiology, and prior to Tough Mudder, he was doing biomedical research at Johns Hopkins. What a coincidence, I actually went to my undergrad there. Uh, he's been in Tough Mudder for five years total, two years as a project manager, three years as product manager, which is his current title. His race highlights include a four-time World's Toughest Mudder competitor, six at World's Toughest Mudder 2015 with 80 miles, six at World's Toughest Mudder 2016 with 95 miles, 12th place at Toughest Mudder Northeast, and 17th place at the Barkley Falls Classic 2016, plus a bunch of other OCRs. So, Chris, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Cool. So, I, I think this uh, this should be an exciting episode because I think everyone wants to know what it's like to work at an OCR company, specifically one of the biggest OCR companies. I know a lot of people have the dream of, like, all right, I'm going to quit my job and go full-time OCR and work for a company and I think I know a lot of my, I know several people who did that for Battle Frog, and we all know how that ended. <laughs> so I guess let's start off with what's it like working at TMHQ, the Tough Motor headquarters? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I can only talk about my personal experience, but, you know, for me, it's been really great. Um, I think I came from the same place a lot of people came from uh, when they were looking to, to work at an OCR company. I love running the races. Um, was really into the industry, has played a big part in my life, and, you know, decided to, to dive in and check it out. You know, had the benefit of Tough Mudder being, you know, arguably the biggest uh, in the industry, which lends it a, a certain degree of stability. Um, but also joining, you know, five years ago, it was really that crazy growth period for, for the entire industry, um, which meant, you know, as a career move, offered a ton of opportunity and, and really let me to you know, let me carve out a niche and uh, work on some things that were really rewarding for me. You know, as Tough Mudder got more into competitive events and things like that, you know, allowed me to apply the things that 
you know, my own experiences running races um, and doing a bunch of tough matters as well to, to hopefully, uh, you know, improve our products and put something out there that, you know, the, you know, our customers really enjoy. Well, I have to say you guys are absolutely crushing it this year. And it's weird to think that a year ago there was essentially three Tough Mudder – or actually it was like three Tough Mudder events, right? So there was like the half, right, the full, and then World's Toughest, and that's pretty much it. And in the past yep. year you've added you know, half – you've got the 5K, you've got the half, you've got the full, you have the tougher event, you have the toughest event, you have the World's Toughest Mudder, and TMX. So you guys have exploded your – lineup and race options, and on top of that, getting stuff on CBS, not just CBS Sports, but CBS, the main network, is just phenomenal. So, I mean, I I can't say enough good things about the what you guys are doing for the industry as a whole. So, thank yeah, you. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's been a it's been an eventful year for us for sure, um, and you know, a lot of a lot of exciting stuff. Hopefully, all well received or most well received from um, from the industry. I think for us, you know, there was. In the early days, you know, 2010, 2011, 2012, um, there was so much that went into just kind of nailing down what, you know, a Tough Mudder should look like and the way innovation just within that core format would work. Um, and it was within the past year or two when we really started to wrap our minds around, you know, what's it mean to develop a new format? How should we do that? How should the formats play together? Um, you know, what really offers the most opportunity for customers to come and, and try new things, which I know you've been out. I, we, uh, I think we've agreed to do this podcast actually at Toughest Northeast, um, standing right. at the start line. So I know you've been out to, to those. You said you were just running a tougher event um, recently. So, yeah, I mean, I think you've experienced some of the new products as they've come out. But what we've tried to do is put out products that sort of run the gamut. And uh, even though every single event within that portfolio may not be for everybody, we want to put out more great event formats that, you know, appeal to certain groups and can really maximize the, the potential value there. Gotcha. So when you started working at Tough Mudder, how many events had you done prior to that? So I had, I think I got my entry into the industry the same place a lot of people did back then, which was doing a Warrior Dash. Um, did that, and that was when, you know, obstacle course races were really like a, a new thing. Um, and it was really cool, great experience. And then I went and ran my first Tough Mudder um, that year in 2012 and uh, sort of fell in love with it, started looking, you know, like you mentioned, my background was working at Johns Hopkins, doing medical research. I knew I wanted to go to more of a startup environment, preferably something that was, you know, more um, fitness focused. That's really what I was getting into at the time. Um, managed to find a position doing project management. I, should, I was doing was originally hired to do the design and build of the new Tough Mudder headquarters um, with all the growth that was going on at the time. We were looking to expand into a new office. Um, so I came on to do that. And then once I was sort of in the door, I started to run more and more. So I ran a couple in the fall of 2012 once I started working here. And then in 2013, I, I don't know, I stopped counting races at some point, but ran a whole bunch in 2013 and, and more and more since then. Cool. So, like I said, kind of in the in the intro, you know, a lot of people have that dream of quitting their day job and going full time OCR. So, you know, obviously this is based off your personal experience, but what's one thing you thought would be maybe better, uh, and then one thing you thought that would be worse, or maybe just something that's different um, than what you expected coming in to, since you're working for a company? Yeah. Um, you know, I think it's, it's like um, I would say 
it's be be worth meeting your hero. Um, you know, to a degree, I think you come into a company and you get up close and personal with it, and it's not it's not bad in any way. I, I, like I mentioned before, I, I have loved working here for all five years I've been here. But I think you know when you you come in with really loving a product and loving an industry in a certain way, you need to adjust the way you think about things sometimes. Um, so, you know, I think it's, it's been a skill that I've picked up along the, along the way here of how to, you know, sort of, uh, you know, adjust the way I think about things. When we talk about, you know, a new obstacle in course, it's really valuable to have the customer perspective, having, you know, been a customer for so long of what, you know, how that's going to feel on course, how it, sales into the menu, just, you know, sort of a gut check of how much I'll enjoy it. But at the same time, you can take a step back and say, you know, like, what does this do for the the company? What does this do for people that are coming in with a different perspective? Um, so I think, you know, especially now, having been a product manager for a few years and working really closely with new event formats that we put out and, you know, other changes to the product and obstacle innovation year on year and everything like that, um, I think it forces you, if you're, if you're going to survive and thrive in that environment, you need to be able to look at things in a lot of different ways because you don't want to be so biased by your own opinions as a racer. But at the same time, you know, you want to keep that perspective to make sure that you're really doing right by the customer and you're putting out really cool stuff and you're not doing things for the wrong reasons or just for, uh, you know, the business reasons. Um, so I think that's been one of the things that's definitely been the most uh, unique for me. And I, I think it's played out pretty well. Um, but definitely something that was a little different than I thought maybe coming in. Um, you know, as far as like a pleasant surprise since coming here, you know, I think it's been really great to see that, you know, the company's culture and everyone around TMHQ really mimics sort of the Tough Mudder culture that a lot of people have come to love, you know, on course with the community. Um, you have made some tremendous friends here. It's the company is full of really bright people who really do want to put out, products that, you know, invigorate people and help people to make positive changes in their life. Um, and for me personally, I, it's just this amazing group that are really dedicated to the teamwork of the mission that we're trying to achieve. Um, and I, I know you and I have run side by side a couple times at Toughest and World Toughest throughout the year. And so we both know the value of having, you know, strong supporters around you. And um, the people here have been so great that for the past couple of years running World's Toughest, majority of my pit crew each year have been coworkers that have, you know, already been out for many, many weekends throughout the year and sacrificed their weekends to work events um, and that were willing to fly out to Vegas and stay up for 24 hours with me just, just to be supporters as well. Um, so I really can't under, you know, you can't undervalue the, the quality of the teamwork and the, you know, the employees of the company, um, which has probably been the, the biggest positive surprise for me. That's awesome. I love that the values transcend just, you know, from marketing to the actual values of the actual employees at the company. I know the like it makes it it makes it more real and I know I like obviously every every race company is a company at the end of the day, but at the same time, you know, I think having those values and having is important for both, you know, brand and for not only for the employees but also the racers. So, um Exactly. I know there's some yeah. There's some there's some other companies that I, I look at some of their actions and I feel like they're just trying to take as much money as possible, and um, I don't get that feeling with Tough Mudder. So um, I guess thank you. <laughs> yeah, no, so. we're we're happy. You can't undervalue the, you know, how important it is to be genuine with with what you do. Like you said, there's at the end of the day, decisions need to make business sense. But um, you know, having 
I hope, you know, toys that really embody the company's value. It's nice to hear that that comes through. Good. So one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the podcast is you're an athlete too. So besides just working for the biggest OCR company in the world, I would say, um, you know, you're also a, a top-level athlete. So, I mean, two sixth-place finishes at World's Toughest Mudder, that's no easy feat. You know, 80 of 95-mile PR, also no easy feat. So how do you manage – so, one, I guess, how often do you race each year? Let's start with that. How often do you race each year? Yeah, so, I mean, World's Toughest is really the the year-long focus for me, I guess. I've sort of figured out which niche I, I do best at. Um and the sort of the longer format is better for me. So World Toughest is my big race every year. I was really happy when we decided to launch the Toughest series this year um, to be able to, you know, pick some races, you know, in the off season sort of and get out there. And, you know, I think, as you know, it's nice to flex your legs every now and then and just, you know, do something besides just training. Um, and then, you know, throughout the year, I'll pick up a couple other OCRs when I'm, you know, on site for Tough Mudder. And if I, can sneak away for a little bit. I'll try to run a couple tough mutters um, with the launch of Tougher this year in the timed wave. Um, I ran one or two of those just without a timing chip, just to you know go and see what the community was like, and again just to sort of see how how my legs were feeling and stuff. So um, yeah, one one big race a year, and then a couple B races, I guess, and then just uh, some other stuff to to mix things up and keep the year interesting. Gotcha. So how do you balance work and training? Yeah, it's definitely, um, you know, it's definitely a challenge sometimes, although without a doubt being at Tough Mudder has improved my fitness um, on the whole. So a couple strategies I picked up along the way, I guess, um, you know, one, being on event sites on a lot of my weekends um, has the potential to be to be a pretty big detractor on the training, but if you look for the right opportunities, I've definitely managed to get out and run a lap or two on a bunch of weekends where I wouldn't have been able to otherwise. Um, so just being in that environment can be really helpful. Um, you know, recently made, um, I'm sure you've seen in emails, we launched Tough Mudder Boot Camp, which is a franchise gym model that we have. And we just built out the prototype gym at our main office in Brooklyn, um, which has been hugely helpful for me. So me and a couple of my other uh, coworkers that are particularly in the fitness definitely take advantage of that, and it helps me to have some really like top top tier training facilities um, at my disposal when I am in New York. Um, and then you just kind of you learn other workouts you can do. I do a lot of hotel room workouts, a lot of burpees on like the floor of a of a hotel and things, just to keep the blood flowing when when you're on the road. And then um, you know a lot of it's about discipline when finally get back and kind of in your, in your home base and being able to flip the switch and go right back to the training schedule, um, you know, that you try to stick to when, when you're home. So a couple of strategies and there's definitely some side benefits of, of working at Tough Mudder that, that really help out. Cool. So I, since you finished sixth at uh, two world's toughest, for those who don't know, one through five, there's prize money. So since you work for Tough Mudder HQ, if you won prize money, uh, where does that money go? So we came we came to an agreement a few years ago where any prize money um, that I win, just you know, to sort of offset any um, potential conflict of interest, will go to our official charity partner. So um, we're partnered with Team Rubicon, who have a really great mission um, connecting uh, 
military veterans with natural disasters and, you know, really leveraging their skills to go and help in, um, you know, in tough situations. So any, any potential winnings will, would go directly to them, um, which is great. And I'm, I'm more than happy, um, to, to sort of do that. It's kind of a win-win lets me keep racing and, and have some skin in the game, um, at the same time. So yeah, back to back six place finishes, um, that was not by any sort of direct intervention. I would have loved to take take fifth or higher, but that's just how it. <laughs> that's just how the cards fall sometimes. I feel yeah. I came in seventh in the last two toughest mutters, and when we were in Philly, I missed it by two minutes. Like I could, I could see sixth place <laughs> in front of me. I just couldn't catch him. I know. Um, and again, sometimes it comes down to it in twenty twenty fifteen. Um, and there's a little bit of a, a slip up with the timing system. So I actually, I thought I finished in fifth and, uh, I ended up actually having a sprint finish with Joel Forsyth, who's a many time world toughest mutter and, and many, many times <laughs> legionnaire. And we ended up, we jumped from the cliff at the exact same time. We climbed out of the water and it was just a dead sprint. That last little drag to the finish line there. We both crossed, um, nearly, nearly killed over thinking we were taking fifth and sixth place, but it ended up being sixth and seventh, which is, is a downer. Oh. It was still, you can't undervalue the <laughs> the experience overall. Yeah, I actually remember that. I don't think I knew who you were at the time, but I know Joel. I'm friends with him. And I remember waiting in line with you guys, and we were th- we were talking about, like, well, do we cut the line because everyone's kind of, like, in top contention, or do we wait it out? And you guys, you guys decided, like, all right, well, since we're both in line, we're both basically at the same position – We'll wait it out. We'll jump off the cliff together and sprint it in. And it was it was brutal. Because I went off in front of you guys, I think. And cause I remember watching you guys run into the end. So um. after 24 hours, it's it's so funny. Or you know, like you said, with with the toughest after eight hours, it's amazing how close it can end up after all the time. You'd assume there'd be some separation, but there you have it. Yeah. And I actually. So uh, my co-host, who's not here today, Brenna Calvert, actually we used to work on the Conquer the Gauntlet build crew, so she used to help build the obstacles. And she was racing for a while at the same time. And, you know, some people were complaining about conflict of interest or there were some concerns, maybe murmurs. I don't think anyone directly complained. So she ended up not racing while she was building. But I know what I was thinking about it for, you know, for Tough Mudder, even if you knew the obstacles, like the the events are so long, I don't think it even matters because – you know, two you know two laps into the event, you know we're like two hours in. I've already seen everything that you already know. So um, I know it doesn't bother me at all um, because you're gonna have to put about the same amount of suffering to make it 24 <laughs> hours or eight hours. You know, like it doesn't. Yeah, it's def- like oh, definitely different on need- a, a super long format event. But uh, yeah, even then we try. You know, I I keep out of world stuff as planning just to try to even if it's for my own conscience to make sure. Uh, yeah, there's no potential, but yeah, like you said, five mile loop course, you see it so many times. I think you probably know better than anybody. I, after a while, you can run through the entirety of a world's toughest or toughest course just purely from memory in your mind. I think I can remember all of world's toughest 2013 still every, every painful turn and obstacle there. So yeah, less, less of a, a direct advantage. It's not like you're doing a one mile sprint where, you know, you can cut the corner and save some time or something, but, uh, yeah, we do our best to remove any conflict of interest and the prize money as well. At the end of the day, you know, I, I really kind of just want to go and race. Um, it's just yeah. have the side benefit of, of working at the company as well. 
what's funny is I my memory of like the obstacle order is actually really terrible, and I think I think that's what makes me good at like ultra OCRs because I'll I'll essentially forget I'll be like oh I forgot I totally forgot I had to go through this awful like low crawl again, you know and I'll I'll come out the other side and immediately forget what I just did. So pe- on short courses I'll finish and people will be like oh you remember blah 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 and I'll be like no I don't remember that at all. Like I don't know I I blank out again to the zone or something. Yeah it it helps so. a lot I think the you know, world stuff is you're like 12 hours in, you have 12 hours to go. And sometimes thinking ahead, like personally, I, I loathe the cliff. If anyone wants any evidence that I don't get any say in what, uh, what goes on the course at world stuff look no further than the cliff. I, I absolutely hate it. And, um, yeah, every time, especially when you've been going for hours and hours and hours, just the, like the prospect of doing it one more time can weigh on you mentally quite a bit. So, I applaud you. Being able to just forget and kind of just put your head down and keep trotting along without any worries is is definitely a benefit. So I know we said you're better at the longer stuff. Uh, will we see you or maybe any other Tough Mudder employees out at TMX next year? So maybe. So TMX, uh, I actually worked really heavily in the development of that. It's definitely not in my wheelhouse as far as events go, but we um, – Myself, and then there's there's one employee who's very very into the whole CrossFit functional fitness thing. So we sort of used our the two of us as the barometers for balancing that format. Um, I, I guess actually let, let's back up first and explain to people what TMX is if, in case they don't know, and then continue with the question. Yeah, for sure. So uh, Tough Mudder X is the very newest format at Tough Mudder. It's a one mile course um, that combines sort of functional f- fitness. Um, and weightlifting type workouts on course with obstacles. So basically, before you hit every obstacle, you do like a quick, intense workout and then continue on. So it's really fast, um, super tough, and it's meant to, to sort of hit the sweet spot between you know your your really quick OCR runners like you know Hunter and uh, Ryan Atkins and, and those types with you know some of your really strong CrossFitters that can just throw around weight. Um, so it's, it's really cool. It, uh, there was two episodes on CBS this year. The last one just aired, aired about a week ago. Um, and so for next year, we're launching it, um, for sale. So this past year was invite only. We're going to go ahead for next year with, um, some mass participation events where you can, you can sign up, you can come out, you can sort of get a feel for what that format's like. And if you do really well there, um, you can qualify for the world championship, which will again be televised, um, and we'll have some sweet surprises there. So it's definitely something new for us. Um, it's definitely pushed me out of my comfort zone pretty severely. But it's a uh, it's a cool twist that brings in uh, sort of lets you know our our OCR runners show off a little bit and go head to head with some people from other fitness disciplines. Cool. So uh, back to the original question: Any will we seeing you or any of the other? Tough Mudder employees out on the TMX course next year? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, sorry, as I was saying, um, we we used me as sort of the endurance benchmark for that, and we had some other people that are a whole heck of a lot stronger than I am, and we used them for balancing uh, some of the weightlifting. So I, I've run many laps informally at this point, um, just trying to get that right, and every time I ran a lap, I swore I never wanted to run it again because it was so, um, you know, I, I do cross-training, <laughs> for for worlds, but definitely not accustomed to doing uh you know like a 
whole bunch of 95 pound sandbag thrusters in the middle of running like a one mile course. So yeah, it's, it's definitely a different experience. It's very cool. Um, it was a lot of fun running, you know, with some people who I've never raced against usually. Um, you know, cause I, I mean, you probably know this as well. You have friends that run OCR events, but they have no desire to go do worlds or they, they at least don't have the desire to go yeah. and run it in the same way that you want to run it. Um, which is just really pounding away miles, you know, hour after hour. Um, but you know, you may, Absolutely. you might work out with them from time to time and they're just really great at moving around weight. Um, you know, but they're not, yeah, they, they don't get in, into running the same way you do. So it's kind of cool to be able to do something that balances the two against each other. <laughs> it kind of gives you a chance to compete with somebody that normally you just, um, accept your differences and move on. So, um, I might, I might go out and run one next year just to see how I stack up against a, a, a bigger audience. I certainly enjoy the format. <laughs> something unique. I'll never be a top competitor, though. I can tell you that. Gotcha. And for those of you that are interested in uh, TMX, I actually interviewed three people who ended up being on the podium in the back of my book, Strength and Speed's Guide to Elite Obstacle Course Racing. So, uh, Corinna Coffin, Cassidy Watton, so the first and second place female, and then Kevin Riggi, the uh, third place male, are all interviewed in the back of my book. So if you want to see how they were training before they knew even TMX was a thing, uh, you can pick up that off my website and check out some of their training splits and uh, diet and stuff like that. It's in the back of the book. That's awesome. They did some some incredible things, <laughs> some incredible things out there in Twin Cities. Um, yeah, I, I was super excited for Kevin too because I mean, Kev, I know Kevin. He was on my team for OCR World Championships in 2014, and he's you know. He loves CrossFit. He's all about CrossFit, but he also likes to race OCR. So, like, I didn't think he would do that well, but I was super excited to see him up there. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, being on the podium with Hunter, Ryan, as, like, the other two guys on the podium is, like, insane. Yeah. That's, like, you know, legend-level status. It's something in, in OCR. something entirely different. It's really cool to watch people with, yeah, who race and, and work out in a completely different ways go, go and show up like that. So speaking of uh, obstacles, I know uh, how does Tough Mudder come come up with such epic obstacles? You guys have really stepped it up. I mean, the King of Swingers obstacle and Funky Monkey and all the variants of King of Swingers, Hang Time and all that stuff is pretty – it's on a scale I would say no other company is, right? Like the climbing up a platform and jumping onto a giant pendulum <laughs> and then swinging to a net and then traversing a rolling traverse or, you know, even Funky Monkey, which, uh, you know, monkey bars into – something that changes every year, uh, operation, you know, putting a pole through an electrified hole to get a ring. So where do you guys come up with all these ideas? Yeah, so we we come up with them, I guess, from a, a few places. Um, and like I mentioned earlier, like sort of like with us rolling out new event formats, we've gotten a bit better every year refining the process, which helps us, you know, to keep things fresh along the way. Um, so my team is you know, the product team here and most of our focus or all of our focus, I should say, is either on new obstacles or new event formats. And, um, you know, we've gotten into a pretty good rhythm with annual updates and have a whole process there. So, um, you know, we do an internal obstacle competition with our employees to sort of generate some ideas. We do really heavy brainstorming with our team specifically um, to look at, you know, the obstacle menu we have and where we think there's weaknesses, whether, you know, for the following year, we we think there needs to be more physical challenge. So this year, you might have seen, um, you know, a stage five clinger and some of the updates to Funky Monkey. Um, 
and things like that, we decided, you know, we should really up the ante a little bit, make it a little bit more physically challenging. Um, some years we might look at it and say, you know, hey, we really want to play up to the mental grit this year, and that's where something like, you know, Crybaby comes out. So we'll, we'll focus on the parts of the menu that we want to address, and then we'll focus brainstorming on that. Um, and then we also do, you know, external obstacle contests. So uh, we go out to the community. I don't know if you've ever submitted an idea, but we'll go out and uh, we'll take in applications and we'll review them and we'll, we'll have a big contest around it and fly out the winner um, to come up with some, you know, some, some really great ideas. So we sort of take all those ideas that come in um, and we level them against each other. And then we go into our testing phase where we'll do a quick round of alpha testing, which is mostly internal for Tough Mudder. We'll just go out to an offsite location. We'll build some of the stuff. We'll play around with it, um, you know, give our opinions, chat about it for a while, decide what, you know, what's compelling and what might have been better on paper, and we'll leave those behind. Um, and then we go to beta testing where we'll invite out the community, um, you know, some of our ambassadors, many time legionnaires, folks like that. We'll have them come out and we'll do some focus groups, run them through the obstacles, put together a mini obstacle course, um, and we'll really refine those ideas and decide which we want to carry on for the following year. And then we've gotten into a pretty nice cycle now where we'll unveil a good number of the obstacles that are for the following season at World's Toughest, which is a really nice way to challenge people at World's Toughest, to keep things fresh there and to do, you know, a sweet unveil um, and, you know, at the same time give give our most dedicated customers who are out of world stuff as the opportunity to try this stuff first before it hits, you know, sort of the, the mass audience for the following year. Um, so that's sort of how we, we've baked it in. I think, um, you know, hopefully we keep things exciting every year. It's certainly one of those things where the more updates, you know, you would think that the, the more new obstacles you roll out, the fewer ideas you'd have to draw from. But I think we have the benefit here of a lot of wildly <laughs> creative people, um, so much so that we have sort of a backlog that we we draw from from time to time and make sure we haven't passed on any ideas before. So, yeah, it's definitely an interesting process, a ton of fun, especially for someone um, like me who's, you know, who loves the industry, has, was into it before he started working here and has sort of grown with it um, at the company. It's a pretty sweet opportunity to be able to come up with an idea, see it built out, and then uh, toy around with it. So sort of the process in a nutshell. Well, I love the uh, more challenging obstacles, so keep rolling those out. That that helps me gain on the pure runners because they typically fail them, and I typically don't. Like, I know last year's World's Toughest was uh, – like, I remember when you guys started unveiling uh, Stage 5 Clinger and, you know, the changes to Funky Monkey. I was super excited because I was like, yeah, people are going to fail that. That's going to be awesome. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I've seen you blow past me as I was failing some of those, so yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> so – as an employee, and then I guess as a, but two, this question, answer it twice. Once as an employee, once as an athlete, what's your favorite obstacle? Oh, good question. If, if they're different. Yeah, I don't know if I have a favorite obstacle as an employee. Probably something inexpensive. Um, no, I think you know, for, for both, probably, I mean, kind of traditional. It's like love Everest. Um, back in 2015, we made the update to Everest 2.0, um, which I was you know, really, really enjoyed. But I mean, to me, that's sort of the sort of the ideal obstacle, right? It's something that if you're super fit, you can do alone, um, especially if it's bad conditions. If you can make it up and over that when it's raining out, um, you know, you're pretty incredible. Um, but it also embodies you know, so much of the teamwork spirit and um, 
you know, I think a lot of us that have run a bunch of Tough Mudder events have wasted hours um, sitting on top of that and helping people out. Uh, yeah, helping people up over the top of it. So I don't know. It sort of epitomizes Tough Mudder obstacles to me. And even at World Stuff, it's always really special to see, you know, like Ryan Atkins and John Alvin sitting on top of that, helping the next group up behind them, even when they're racing, you know, against the clock to try to put up 100 miles and things. Um, so, yeah, I think it's one of those. It's really simple. It's been around forever, minus a couple of tweaks. Um, but I think it really sort of sums up the event in a great way. Yeah, definitely a good one. I was in Wisconsin this past weekend, and I got to help a couple of first-time mutters up over the Everest, which was which was fun, you know, because they some of them don't really like, grasp the teamwork concept yet. So like when they, you know, I'd pass them early, and then they see me essentially waiting for them at the top of this wall, and uh, you know, you're like, all right. Now yeah, you, even that year, the rollout of tougher this year. A couple times when I was running the tougher wave, you know, you, you are competing for money and stuff, but it was really special to see, you know, the leader stop at the top, turn around, or you know, like a couple times, first place coming into Everest couldn't get up it. Second place guy catches up, passes them, but stops at the top to help the person up right behind them instead of leaving them in the dust. So, yeah, it's been really great. I think that was one of the things for us this year, rolling out more competitive formats. We're really sensitive. Um, you know, as a company to making sure that the Tough Mudder spirit sort of was able to survive more competition. And we had a good feeling about it, you know, having done World Surface for many years and seeing how the contestants, you know, interacted there. Um, but we're paying a lot of attention to it this year, and it's really special to see. And I think you're right. When people come from, you know, either having not done OCRs or coming from more competitive OCRs, coming into Tough Mudder, there's some really, like, special moments when it clicks for them you know like wow these other people are going to stop and wait and you know just just wait for me and pull me over this obstacle and really help me out when i'm in a bad spot it's it's a pretty special spot it's really um you know especially if sometimes i'll go out and, and do a second lap and i think a lot of people in the community do this like they'll go out they'll stretch their legs they'll get in a fast lap and then they'll go do a second lap and they just hang out there for like an hour and they just help people over um, who have never done it before, you know, people run Tough Mudder half for the first time. Um, and it's just like this really great moment with people that have tons of experience, know the community, know the event really well, and these people that are brand new, and it's sort of like an induction into the whole thing. So, Yeah, when I ran Tougher this weekend, I was running with uh, one of my friends, Jay Flores, who's done a ton of OCRs, but has just never done a Tough Mudder. So beforehand, you know, I knew – He's a little bit faster than me, so I figured he would be ahead of me. Um, beforehand, he was like, so what's the – he was asking me my opinion on certain obstacles and, like, how do you get over them, especially if there's, like, no one around. So I said, I basically shared, you know, whatever my secrets or my techniques to getting over stuff. And I ended up a lot closer to him than I thought I'd be. So we, I, I was actually – you know, he was in eyesight the entire race. And it was hysterical. <laughs> he'd get to some obstacles and he'd be like, I don't know what I'm doing, like uh, <laughs> Snot Rocket or Augustus Gloop. Like he's just he's like, do I go over the fence or do I go under? You know? And I was like, I'm like a hundred yards away and I'm like yelling under, go under. And he's like, oh okay, you know. It was pretty funny. And then we you know we helped each other out at a couple obstacles, which was uh, which is always a good time. But it's awesome. Um, anyway, um, so what do we have? I know we we obviously covered a lot of stuff at Tough Mudder HQ has coming down the pipe. Anything else you want to share? Or any other sneak peeks you have coming out? Oh, boy. Well, there, <laughs> <laughs> there's always something. Um, 
we do have a pretty exciting announcement coming up, which I can't reveal now, um, but a little okay. bit more competition for the for the end of this year um, than has been announced so far. So that'll be coming up hopefully in a couple of days. Um, we'll be making that announcement, um, which should be pretty exciting for, I know it is for all of us here. Um, you know, I think we touched on a lot of the stuff for next year. It's going to be packed tougher at pretty much every event. Um, I couple of additional toughest events for next year to keep an eye on. Um, okay. As you know, a venue change for World Toughest next year, which I can't comment on specifically yet, but uh, it's it should be exciting. Can I can I ask, has the venue been decided already? It has. It has been decided. Okay. Um, can you tell me if it'll be in the Western Hemisphere or the Eastern Hemisphere? <laughs> Of the of the world, <laughs> or is that too specific? Um, yeah, maybe too specific. It okay. Yeah, it, fair enough. It, I can't remember the exact date that announcement's coming out, but it's not too far off. It is funny though. I was just I, I hadn't really paid it much mind, and then like yesterday, I was just sitting down thinking about Vegas. I think I was thinking about the cliff. Um, I was like, man, I, I really don't like the cliff, but I feel like I've spent a lot of quality time in the desert over the past couple of years, and like. I don't know. There's a funny nostalgia to it. I, <laughs> I was always oh, absolutely. I feel like it's ho- I feel like it's home. I spent I mean I've spent three times twenty four hours, you know, seventy two hours running around this circle. Essentially, I mean the the path changes a little bit, and sometimes we run it in reverse direction, and the obstacles change. But like, it's the same patch of land. Like, I spent a lot of good time out there. Oh yeah, I mean, well, it's like a lot of bad time too. It's like a subconscious just. I don't know, you sink into it, you get out there, you go to the Westin or, you know, <laughs> wherever you're, the, the whole process, flying to the Vegas airport at this point just triggers a lot of things for me. Um, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, it's it's bittersweet in that way. I'm really excited having one last crack at Vegas, but it'll, uh, yeah, it's pretty exciting times for the, for the new announcement. So you said there'd be more toughest events. Can you tell us how many, or is that too specific? That's also probably too specific. I can't imagine it's that big a deal, actually, but. Uh, I'll wait okay. until the, I don't want to cut anybody off by jumping their announcement. But I think that announcement's coming up um, pretty shortly in the next couple of weeks, too. Okay. I feel I feel like I have to at least ask those, <laughs> and I, I don't expect you to answer them. But I feel like I wouldn't be doing my job. If I'm not exactly. We have an understanding. It's okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so you said you will be at World Selfless this year, right, for the last yeah. one? In Vegas? Yeah, that's, that's the plan. It's funny. I think you know, every year – Training in some ways becomes more second nature, which means almost less focusing on a specific event and more just becoming part of your lifestyle to, you know, to train up to it. And then all of a sudden around this time every year, I'm like, oh, crap. It's like actually approaching really fast. Yeah. Uh, but, yes, I, I will be out there. I'll be seeing you as well, I hope. Uh, yes, I should be. I, I need to double check with work one last time to make sure they're giving me off. There's a small chance I won't be there, but. I'm feeling pretty good. I should know. I'll know by the end of this week or next week. Yeah, just so. tell them it's the last year in Vegas. We'll understand. Yeah, it's <laughs> – so I was, having, I was actually talking to one of the Merrill guys on um, Sunday about this. You know, it's hard to – you know, when you when you tell people, oh, I'm, I'm going out to a race, they're like, oh, okay. You know, a lot of people will go to races. And it's like, yeah, it's kind of a big deal, <laughs> right? Like, it one, one it's, it's essentially the championship for the entire year, right? Two – it's a 24-hour race, so it's it's not like I'm going out and running for 20 minutes and then calling it a day. Like, I'm putting in a lot of work on the day of the race, but more importantly, you know, my life revolves around preparing for this one event. You know, like, every time I go for a run, I think 
the world's toughest mother at some point crosses my mind, you know, and I, I'll go an extra mile or I'll, I'll do an extra, you know, I'll go back out for a, a two a day workout or something like that. Right. Like, you know, I adjust my diet. I adjust the way I train. I adjust my schedule. You know, my family flies out. It's like, I mean, it's a huge production. Exactly. So, um, yeah. It's a year in the making. And then on top of, yeah. And then, and then on top, what, what I'm really happy is you guys got on CBS, right? Cause that, I think it helps convey the importance <laughs> Uh, to coworkers, right? So when you say I'm doing a race, they're like, "Oh, okay." You're like, "It's on CBS." I'm like, not CBS Sports. It's on CBS. Um, and I, you know, I finished X place. I for you know, for me, top, I finished top ten last year. Like, yeah, I need to go to the race. It, 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 it certainly has some legitimacy, even for my family. You know, people, some of my family members, I haven't been able to make it out yet. It's a lot nicer to be able to be like, "Yeah, just go watch it on CBS." I don't need to explain exactly what's happening. This is what I'm doing every year, and. uh yeah, it helps to <laughs> they definitely sum it up better on TV than I can with some rambling explanation. Yeah, and it's not a small event either. I think people think, oh, you know, because if you look at the ultra community worldwide, not ultra obstacle course racing, but ultra running in general, most of the races are pretty small. Like they don't have, there's typically not a thousand people at them. Yeah. Definitely not a thousand, two hundred plus, which is what you guys bring in, I think. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, all you need is like one quick shot of the uh, some of those aerial shots of the pit, which is like a field attempt. I remember that being like, in, I ran World Tough for the first time in 2013, and just showing up at Raceway Park and just seeing like this parking lot just just like flooded, just side to side with tents everywhere, and all of a sudden you're like, wow, I'm in something pretty serious right now. Um, yeah. Cool. So. I still think it's surreal. You know, I, I've. My lowest placement out of the three years I've done it is twenty second. Wow! And I still think it, I still think it's surreal showing up to the event and like seeing thousands of people and thinking like, you know, I can I can beat all these people minus a small handful, most of which I know them by name and face. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's. It's some... like it's very surreal to me. You know, just see, I, th- I mean, a thousand like how many? That's insane. And you're like, I somehow managed to pass all these people. That seems unlikely like from a probability standpoint no i doubt it pretty heavily every year um it helps that everyone out there is very they're they're all lovely yeah like i don't know about you but most of the 24 hours is just spent like kind of chatting with people along the way i don't i don't bother looking at the you know leaderboard or anything until like i don't know 12 hours in or like 16 hours in or something because it changes so much throughout the day and and stuff but it's it's such a cool experience to just like kind of throw yourself at the mercy of your training and be like you know what i'm just gonna go for 24 hours i can't say exactly where i'll end up i'm not like glued to the leaderboard the whole time but you know at the end of the day i want to see like how my preparation pans out for this and in the meantime i'm just going to hang out with a bunch of people and talk to them when we pass each other talk to them when we help each other on an obstacle um and sort of keep cruising so it's definitely a special thing and uh yeah i agree i you know admittedly probably doubt myself a little bit every year when I show up and see the sheer number of people. I'm like, well, this year I'm obviously going to finish like 500. Um, but I'm just <laughs> show up and go and hope for the best. I, I totally agree with that leaderboard thing. I think uh, a lot of people get overly concerned about, you know, checking placement or like, again, before the 12 hour mark, it's almost meaningless in my opinion. You know, you just, you just gotta, you just gotta run your own race. I know I've run with some of the uh, – I typically am running for the first half of the race. I'm right around the top females. So I actually end up talking – like I end up talking to April D for a while or Stephanie Bishop. Um, and I remember talking to one of them 
and uh, being like, yeah, don't even worry about the leaderboard. It, it's because it, it'll change. People will blow up. People have started out way too fast, and you know, in the end, like the uh, like the Tough Mudder Creed thing says, you know, the, the race is really it's you against yourself, right? Like you can fake the funk on like a 5K and like push a little bit yeah. harder than you should, but like you can't really fake the funk on a 24-hour. Like you're gonna hit whatever your physical limit is, and then you know those who are mentally tough enough to persevere can continue, and those who are not, you know. We'll have to call it early. Yeah, and every time I talk to somebody about the whole training thing, I have to reiterate, you know, any limited ability that I have as an athlete is like, you know, anything I do at World Toughest is predominantly because I have a massive personality flaw around being stubborn. And it's like you train yourself to a certain level, and from there it's just like, how, like, freaking stubborn, stubborn are you that you're just going to keep going until your body actually, like, breaks in half? Um, <laughs> it's, it's an interesting grace for sure. So speaking of talking to people on the course, so I was running in Chicago, and, you know, between the podcast and the book and, the you know, my racing, I, a decent number of people will say hi to me. You know, as I run past people, they see the name on the back of my bib, and they say hi. Um, I'm on lap, let's see, it was, I was finishing seven, and Ryan Atkins uh, was finishing eight. So I end up, we end up kind of converging on our paths. Um, I actually messed up on King of Swingers the only time I did all race. And uh, so as I was coming off the penalty, he was coming off the obstacle. And I ended up running with Ryan for like the last 10 minutes of one of his laps. And while I feel like a lot of people say hi to me, everyone says hi to Ryan. Like everyone. It is insane. Like running with him for 10 minutes was probably the coolest thing of that entire event. Because everyone's like, yeah, Ryan, let's go. And I'm like, they're not even saying hi to me. But I like I I could feel their energy, like, you know, that was directed at him. Like, I was getting, like, bleed-off energy from them. So, I know, it's crazy. I felt great. It's, um, it's like, one of the really cool things about the race, actually, especially now that it's on TV and stuff, is, like, everybody, whether you're – this is your first race and you just kind of want to, like, go out and trot, you know, a couple laps and see how it feels. And, you know, you're kind of there for, like, a 24-hour party, um, in a sense. Or if you're, like, really there gunning it and, like, just driving yourself into the ground physically – you're all running side by side and these like legitimate pro athletes like Ryan, um, who just like a really great dude. Like you just see him kind of running by. I remember last year at world's toughest, him and John were kind of just doing like a victory lap. You know, they had already finished a hundred and they had some more time, which is insane in its own right. And they were just going back out and like kind of just like walking with people who were out there finishing their race, chatting with them the whole time and stuff. Like it's a, I don't know. It's this amazing convergence. There's not many, you know, competitions out there where the pros and you know the amateurs are side by side the whole time and just like this this sweet little community so it's definitely cool and i agree ryan um i don't know he's a <laughs> he's a great dude he doesn't seem to get sick of it he's just friendly the whole race and people you know worlds like are calling after him for 24 hours that's a long time to be <laughs> you know while you're like in the in the throes of like a serious competition and just ripping out miles the way he does so it's something yeah. else. So before we go, I have I have two requests for you um, that you need to pass off to whoever makes your merchandise for World Toughest <laughs> Mudder. Actually, I have three. All right, I'll do my best. One is make one is make a sleeveless male shirt, right? Because you guys at the last World's Toughest like merch shop, there was no sleeve. There was only like a sleeveless or tank top for females. Oh, I can help you. I, I just, want a sleeveless. I just shirt. cut the sleeves off my own. I can do it for one of your t-shirts as well. 
That's that's true. But then I need, I need a second T-shirt because I don't want to I don't want to ruin one of my old T-shirts. <laughs> Fair. Okay. Um. So that's one. Two. Uh, I want you guys to make like like I'm not gonna wear my bib around. At like well, some people do, uh, based off the of community pictures, like wear their bib around to non-tough mutter stuff. But like I want a T-shirt that looks like the bib, right? So like a a 50 mile or 75 mile T-shirt, like that's brown or silver. I won't spoil anything. That looks like the bib. But, but that's okay. But <laughs> so that's turd. That's two. Oh, that's two. Uh, and number three is I want a world's toughest mutter belt buckle, right? Like the, in ultra running, the big finisher prize is a belt buckle, right? It's like something – and it, it, it's not small. Like it's obnoxious, like so obnoxious that, you know, when you wear it around town, people can't help but comment <laughs> and, and like it draws people's eyes. That's fair. So I want a, I want a world's toughest mutter belt buckle. Now I kind of want one too. It would, be even, it would be even better if you had like – the center you could change out and add like your mileage to it, and like so as you got better each year, you could like, all right, now I got fifty five, <laughs> and now I got sixty five. Or that well, is a, those are my request. Yep, those are my requests. Okay, that's fair. Some of them are in the works, and uh, the belt buckle seems pretty sweet. So I'll see if see what I can do. But yeah, like I mentioned, I I would actually like one myself. All right, we'll work on it. All right, good. Uh, so before we take off, uh, any final shout-outs you want to give, family, friends, sponsors, uh, company, et cetera? Uh, all good things. Um, not in particular, although I know you kicked off the episode talking about Merrill, and I have to say um, this is not meant to be a blatant sponsor plug in any way, but I actually just got the uh, Trail Glove 4s today and was wearing them around and getting, getting some miles this morning on them. And you're absolutely right. They're pretty sweet. Um, so no, that's on my mind only because they're shiny and new right now. Um, but no, quick thank you to the whole community, of course. Um, you know, hope to see everyone out at World Stuffers this year. And uh, yeah, thank you for having me on. I look forward to seeing you out there, hopefully as well. Awesome. Well, uh, I think that wraps it up. Chris, thanks again for coming on. And Thanks to Tough Mudder for doing everything they do and pushing this industry forward. I think, you know, even the smaller brands get a lot of bleed-off benefit from, you know, having such a large force present on TV and, you know, making such large leap forward in the uh, in the eyes of the public. So uh, thank you guys. I'm sure um, some of the guys who come out to our race, the races I usually go to, our Conquer the Gauntlet, I'm sure some of them got their start in Warrior Dash or Tough Mudder, so... I, like I said, uh, that bleed-off effect is, is definitely real, and um, definitely the entire industry thanks you for it. Ooh, thank you. So that kind of wraps it up, and uh, that's it. Uh, we'll see you guys next week on the Strength and Speed Podcast. Yeah.